Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I could not be happier today. I know most of you feel the same way. What a week we have in front of us getting ready for the national championship game, getting a chance at redemption, revenge against Alabama. Those will be big themes for us, obviously, this week. And kind of before you get fully into that, I think you also have to kind of stop, pause, and appreciate what Georgia did to earn the right for the Alabama rematch, the way in which it goes out and handled its business in such a mighty way against the Michigan Wolverines, one of the biggest brands in college football, a 12-1 Big Ten champion, in an unbelievable backdrop for the sport, the Orange Bowl on a Friday night there on New Year's Eve. And Georgia just completely, completely dominated the game from the word go. This was an incredible moment, incredible night. I look forward to celebrating that some today as we also get ready to turn our attention fully to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And let me say this as a way of beginning this entire conversation. One of the things that we talked about a lot last week was my belief that Georgia needed to get its swagger back going into the game against Michigan. Hey, this was a chance to kind of get that back again. Maybe you lost that against uh, Alabama in the SEC Championship, and the game against the Wolverines was your chance to get that back. And I would say that Friday night in Miami, that's exactly what I thought that Georgia did. Hey, Georgia got its swagger back. Maybe Georgia was doubting itself. Maybe Georgia wasn't sure of itself. But against Michigan, it reminded itself once again just how good it could be. It showed the college football world again just how good it could be. And the second part of that probably is true. There were probably a lot of folks, maybe media types, fan types, who had decided that maybe Georgia maybe wasn't as good as we once thought they were. And maybe they were reacquainted exactly with what Georgia was. But here's the thing that I think I didn't fully realize until maybe this morning, getting ready for this show, being back in Georgia again after being in South Florida over the weekend. Here's the one thing I think I more fully appreciated this morning than I maybe realized on Friday night. Friday night, I'm thinking, hey, Georgia got its swagger back. Monday morning, looking back on the game, getting ready to come in here and talk to you, I come to the, to the, to the realization of, Oh, Georgia's swagger never went anywhere. Yeah, Georgia got beat up. Yeah, Georgia got, you know, kind of uh, uh, handled by Alabama. But the level of belief this team had in itself never went anywhere. And, you know, Georgia kind of circled the wagons a lot while in Miami leading up to that game, going down to South Florida. Kirby you know, likes to keep things kind of private and in-house anyway and probably took that to an extra uh, degree in getting ready for the Orange Bowl. But while they were behind closed doors, while they were kind of, you know, uh, you know, embedded there together, this team, the belief that it had in itself, the belief these players had in each other, never went anywhere. That their preparation for the Orange Bowl, their preparation for the chance to beat Michigan was just as intense, was just as fiery as it would have been had Georgia beaten the Alabama Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game. And that's a distinction, I believe, that that makes a difference for some reasons I want to kind of get into and explain here a little bit. And as a way of doing that, let me let you hear some 
from uh, the 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 folks who were involved as a way of kind of starting this conversation. First of all, you know, Kirby asking about, hey, are, are there questions you you uh, had about your team after you lost Alabama? Did this game answer some of those questions for you about, about what you know about your team in light of how things go down there in that game, uh, you know, in the SEC championship to start the month? And, and, and Kirby made it very clear that, that his level of belief wasn't altered after the loss to Alabama and not really heightened after the win against Michigan, that it's always kind of been the same level. This Kirby from Saturday night. I never had questions about this team. The resiliency, the bounce back, the, the amount of character. I've seen it all year. Um, uh, we didn't play well, uh, and we turned the ball over and didn't get any turnovers and, and played poor in the red area. I mean, like you, you can list all the things we did in the last game. That's all our kids have heard about for three weeks. You know, our focus has been on, okay, what can we get better at? Where can we turn our energy? Because it does no good to look backwards. It only does good to look forward, and who is our opponent? Uh, we always say you can't let a loss beat you twice. And we didn't let that happen today, and now we get to focus our energy on a really good football team, and that's where we'll turn our our head and attention now. So what I think is really interesting about that is is that mood, that feeling that Smart describes there, really got used as fuel. It, it, it got transferred as the kind of fuel that Georgia could run on getting ready for this game. And one of the things we suspected a lot is all of the chatter, that was being built up around Michigan, around, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, around this oh, dominant Michigan offensive line, uh, these great Michigan running backs, this great Michigan team that took down mighty Ohio State and won the Big Ten, all of this chatter. We said a lot last week going into the game that Michigan, Michigan was clearly the team in this game the national media wanted to cover. And Georgia was clearly the other team. Georgia was the was the team that was here to give Michigan an opponent. But the national media, there were a lot of them, you know, rider types, uh, TV types, whatnot, in and around South Florida last week. And they were interested in telling the Michigan story. Georgia was just the opponent that Michigan was playing. It was the Michigan story and how good Aiden Hutchinson was and, and, and how good all of that was, that that was the story the media was definitely more interested in being a part of. And what we kind of wondered aloud going into last week's game was, does Georgia notice this? Is this the kind of thing that that could potentially provide a little extra motivation here for UGA, who still believes, as Kirby Smart said, still believes it's just as good as it always thought it was, even though it lost to Alabama in the SEC championship? Is this the kind of thing that maybe Georgia could kind of kind of be fueled by and 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 feed off of a little bit? And you got some clues that was the case. I want to give you a couple of clips here. I think this is pretty interesting. So one of the things that Kirby was asked about was, hey. Coming into the game, we had heard a lot about Ajabo and, and and Hutchinson, but it was actually the Georgia pass rush that actually had the better day. That the Georgia offensive line held up well to this unstoppable Michigan pass rush, and the Georgia pass rush actually affected the Michigan quarterbacks well enough that 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 was one of the big stories why even Georgia won this game. Smart was happy enough to talk about that, but in the midst of doing this kind of drops a little bit of a clue that, you know what, maybe this team did notice a little bit all the excessive praise that Hutchinson and the rest of this Michigan group kind of got coming into the game throughout last week. Kind of interesting from Kirby. See if you notice what I noticed this Kirby from after the game. 
we practice against good rushers each day. Jamari and Warren, they listen to everybody talk about those guys rushing. And, you know, Jamari and Warren are good pass protectors. They do a nice job. Defensively, we, we generated some better rush. We have to be able to do that to be successful. Was it a magic potion? I don't think it was a magic potion. We, we caught a lot of the same calls, you know, we called against Alabama. But uh, you know, the quarterback probably didn't escape as good as Alabama's did. And we finished a little better. So Kirby says, yeah, they listen to everybody talking. Is that, is that a little, little bit of a clue, right? That's a little bit of a tell for those of you that speak the language of poker that, hey, maybe they did use that as a little extra motivation. Now, something I also found out that I did not realize, and maybe I'm the only one that didn't know this going into the game, which was that I guess Jamari Salyer and Aiden Hutchinson had a little bit of a history together, going back to a time as recruits, doing some battling in some of those camps. You know, you had those camp reps. And apparently uh, Salyer and Hutchinson had some legendary battles back as recruits, and maybe some of that was still on Jamari's mind a little bit going into this game on Friday. At least you presume that was the case because some of the video that was shared with me was pretty intense of those two. So uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. But but clearly, Smart says, yeah, they kind of heard some of that, right? They, they kind of heard just how good these Michigan guys were. And, you know, that, this goes back to, I think it was Friday, no, excuse me, Thursday's show for us, day before the game. We played you audio of Jamari saying, you know, basically, yeah, we do want to take this on as a challenge. We, we played you audio of Trayvon Walker saying, yeah, we got to go out there and make sure that, that, that we show the world that we're, we're good too. You know, we were 12-0 in the regular season. We were ranked number one for most of the year. Yeah, we lost to Alabama, but that doesn't mean we're not, you know, a good team anymore. And Trayvon Walker said they want to kind of go out there and prove that. They kind of want to go out there and show that. And that's kind of exactly what they did. And, and, and Smart kind of acknowledged that there as well. And in fact, Smart would go on so you know go on to say in the post game press conference on Friday night that there was a little bit of that feeling of boy all the praise the awards the uh, Michigan guys had gotten the awards the Michigan coaching staff had gotten all of that apparently noticed by Georgia coming into this game once again the kind of thing that that Georgia was just a little bit fueled by. Once again, pretty interesting from Kirby Smart. Gives you a little bit of an idea of the mindset that Georgia had throughout the week going to the game against Michigan, Kirby, again. There's a little chip on the shoulder of the defensive guys. I mean, they, their offense coordinators, the, the Royals Award over uh, Coach Landing, who we think did a hell of a job. Uh, and their their offensive line is more award. And um, you know what? They, there's somebody that, that made that decision that's a lot smarter than me. But we got a hell of an offensive line, too. And uh, our guys played with a chip on their shoulder tonight, as DK did on defense, and, and all the defensive guys did. And they, they, were, they were kind of backed up by a great offensive effort. So let me tell you, to close out this portion of our conversation, why I believe all of this matters. Georgia proved something pretty interesting on Friday. There are 128 teams in Division One FBS-level college football. And yeah, Georgia played a close game week one against Clemson, but for the next 11 regular season games, none of the games were close. And after a loss against Alabama, coming back in the Orange Bowl against Michigan, if you had to pick any team in the country that's not Alabama, and say, okay, who's the team most likely to give Georgia a close game? I mean, this is the team you'd pick, right? 12-1, and Big Ten champion, the team that handled Ohio State pretty easily. This was the next scariest opponent. If Alabama's the scariest possible opponent you could play, this Michigan team was the, the next scariest opponent that, that, that you could play. And what Georgia showed you on Friday night was, yeah, that team is not going to play us close either. That you can pretty safely say that almost nobody in the country not only is able to 
capable of beating Georgia. Other than Alabama, you can make the case that there may not be a team in this country that's you know good enough to even keep it close with Georgia right now. That's how good Georgia is going into this national championship game with the Crimson Tide. Now, the obvious caveat to all that is, yeah, but B.A., Alabama just beat Georgia. And Alabama just beat Georgia pretty convincingly. So the gap may be huge between Georgia and the rest of college football, but the gap between Georgia and the team ahead of it, Alabama, is also pretty huge too. And certainly on the appearance of what happened in that game the first Saturday in December, that, that appears to be true. But here's what I think that Friday night's game provides for the Georgia fan who just is not quite so sure what to think going into next Monday night. I think that win, not only the fact that it occurred, but on everything that you heard from Georgia players and, and, and several clips from Kirby Smart right there, the fact that this is what Georgia anticipated to happen. This was not just, hey, okay, now that we won, we believe in ourselves again. No, Georgia won in large measure because it didn't stop believing itself after it lost Alabama. That Georgia's confidence did not did not diminish once it lost Alabama. We said a lot throughout the course of the last few weeks that Georgia almost certainly turned the page faster to college football playoff, to Michigan, to Orange Bowl than most fans did. And the way in which Georgia focused its attention on the Wolverines, I think, is one of the reasons why it won as convincingly as it did. So now here, here's what that win gives Georgia fans a, a chance to do. For those of you who are just not quite so sure what you think about Alabama just yet, and I can't, listen, I, I can't guarantee an outcome in that game, but I've told you the entire time that I certainly believe that Georgia has a, a very good chance of winning it, but I can't guarantee the outcome. But for those of you who just can't be so sure, you even think Georgia has a chance because they lost against Alabama the first time around. Allow yourself to borrow some confidence from these players. Allow yourself to borrow some confidence from Kirby Smart. Because not only did Georgia believe in itself after the game, it believed in itself going into the game. And it kind of laughed privately at all the people who thought the dominant Michigan pass rush, and the dominant Michigan running game. Remember, the Michigan offensive linemen were running onto the field, uh, walking onto the field on Friday before the game with those T-shirts that say run the damn ball. I mean, they, they just felt like they are going to come down here and just stuff it down Georgia's throats. Imagine thinking that. That's what they did. Georgia knew they wouldn't. And the confidence that Georgia had then can now be borrowed by some of you who don't feel like you have enough going to this game against Alabama next Monday. And that's what I think this, the story of this week's going to be, is that, yeah, Georgia was defeated, but Georgia was undaunted even in that defeat. And they showed you on Friday what they're all about, something that Georgia always knew that it was, but was able to remind the rest of the country what it still is. Now for Georgia fans who kind of need to reconjure their own level of belief right now, maybe that game against the Wolverines is exactly what you need to be able to do just that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 945, starting there for our first in 15, on dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Rap Podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you on board for everything we have going on the next few days. Can't wait to be in Indianapolis. Very different wardrobe. It's going to be freezing cold up there after being nice and toasty and warm in the 80s down in South Florida. A big difference in uh, temperatures as we move north for the national championship, but we wouldn't take it any other way as the dogs get ready to head up there and we get ready to go with them. Of course, big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making this show possible. By the way, it was also very cold. <laughs> I didn't get back home until uh, yesterday. Very, very cold when I got home. 
wind blowing, you know, temperatures in the 30s this morning, heat turned on. And when that heat's on, you want that heat to stay inside the house. You don't want to waste money, waste energy by having that escaping outside the crevices of inefficient windows and doors. That's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can step up and do for you. You should take advantage of that. You should talk to one of their uh, experts who can talk to you about all the installation options you have available, all the products they offer you. Make your home look better on the outside, feel better on the inside. That's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. Also great savings right now as well. How about 40% off qualifying installations or 0% APR for the next 24 months? Pella's got you covered on some great savings in that. Uh, easy to get in contact there as well. Let me give you a couple of ways to do so. How about the website? PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Or you give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just make sure you tell them the BA from Dog Nation Daily said they would take good care of you. I know they will. And also remember this, Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, it is Dog Nation Daily here today. John Stinchcomb coming up, Classic City Logger Insider Update with him. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to do. Before that, though, I'm going to go around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. And with this, we'll kind of start turning our attention a little bit more fully to the uh, game against Alabama. And there is something specifically that I hope to hear this week as Georgia continues to, to work its way towards the Crimson Tide next Monday. And let me start this off by, by going back to Friday night a little bit. Interesting moment in the ESPN uh, telecast. There at the end where the broadcasters, Chris Fowler's doing play-by-play, Kirk Herbstreet's the color analyst, and Holly Rose in the sidelines. At the end, apparently Kirby Smart did not want the traditional sports drink bath that you kind of get sometimes when your team wins the big game. You know, for Georgia, it's not going to be Gatorade because no, nothing Gatorish is going to uh, be anywhere near the field there for uh, Georgia. But nonetheless, Smart kind of kind of, you know, rebuffed this. Did, did not want to be bathed in sports drink after the game on Friday. And it led to a pretty interesting exchange on the ESPN telecast. By the way, if you're watching on video, great looking uh, uh, shot there of the uh, celebration there as Georgia runs on the field. Boy, that's really fun to be able to see and really fun to be able to re relive. For those of you watching then on video, so nice to be down there with those Georgia fans, red coat band, everybody having a great time. That was great. Uh, good stuff. Fun stuff all the way around. But the point here is, with uh, with the, the, the potential for the sports drink bath, Kirby Smart not wanting it, leading to an interesting exchange on ESPN television. So this is the audio of what Fowler, Herbstreet, and Holly Rowe had to say. Take a listen to this. Kirby waved a finger. He says, I don't want a Gatorade bath. Don't you do it. It's a semifinal game. <laughs> He's very concerned. He's going to call it a timeout with 15 seconds. I don't think he wants to get wet at this point. Holly, what do you got down there? Well, Kirby Smart just got after his team and said, we're not doing that. We're not doing Gatorade Bass after this game. We've got another game to worry about. We're not worried about this. Yep. We're going to look ahead. He just got on his guys. Yeah, you're absolutely all over it, Holly. Yeah, he, was Holly not, he was not having it. He's done that in the past, and he's dead serious. So Holly Rowe was actually like right there in the middle of all that, so she had a very good vantage point to hear exactly what Kirby Smart said. And what she, from a first-person perspective, described Kirby as saying on the sidelines – Smart essentially reiterated in the post-game press conference there as well when Smart was asked by our Connor Riley about why he didn't want to be bathed in the uh, sports drink after the game. Uh, this is what Kirby said about that. Yeah, I, I was wanting to get a real shower, not a Gatorade bath, because I want to get focused on Alabama. They got a five, six-hour head start. So I'm not, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not interested in celebrating that. We'll look back on that, that win, and that'll be great. But we're focused on the task ahead. That's that's the objective, and that's what our guys 
you know, they worked their tail off for three to four weeks to get this opportunity. And it was a one-game season, and now it's another one-game season. I'm not focused on Gatorade Bass. So when Smart says that Alabama got the five- or six-hour head start, like I remember being in the locker room after the Rose Bowl win in Pasadena. And at the time, I mean, that was a little bit of an unusual thing because Georgia was way out west. Georgia was only in Miami on Friday, but way out west in California. That year, there was only a one-week gap in between the 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 semifinal game and the national championship. There was only seven days between the, the, the two games. And I remember Smart was just – so emphatic about getting his team out of that locker room as quickly as it as he could get them back to Georgia as quickly as he could because he knew that with Alabama having played in New Orleans in 2017, Georgia having played in California, that he was going to be in his mind at a little bit of a disadvantage from a from a timing and preparation standpoint, knowing he was having to fly 3,000 miles to get back and get ready to go for that game. So when Smart says, "Hey, they got a five or six hour head start on us because their game ended sooner." Smart means that. He takes that he takes that very seriously. But beyond that, the whole notion of this is what we came to do. Winning the Orange Bowl, beating Michigan's not the kind of thing we're going to pour sports drink on ourselves about doing. We came to do more than that. And so with that, now Georgia as a program that's kind of expiring to do more than just be in the playoff, they want to be in it to win it. All of a sudden now you set yourself up for for that to all begin. And for the Georgia players, you get the sense this actually did begin, as Smart said, kind of right there in that moment where the moment you get past the Wolverines, the moment you beat Michigan, as cool as that was, as much fun as I had being a part of that, after that for them, it's the next thing. It is getting ready to beat Alabama. It is getting ready for all that's going to happen as Georgia gets ready to go to Indianapolis. In fact, uh, after the game, uh, Jordan Davis, the Georgia nose guard, who's been such a pivotal leader for Georgia all season long, he talked more about that himself. Definitely, you know, in the locker room, it's exciting. You know, we're enjoying this win. Me, personally, I'm kind of even kill. Definitely ready to get back into the film room, continue to work. Um, you know, the national championship is quickly approaching, and uh, we just had to get back and play our game and show people what we can do. So just to be clear, that's not from, like, Monday, the week, you know, after. That's in the moment. That's right after the game was over with. He's already ready to get back to work and get back to going towards the Alabama Crimson Tide, that is how quickly Georgia wants to turn the page in all of this. So as that happens today, and today will be our first national championship press conference, we'll hear from both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. I'm going to talk more uh, to John Stinchcomb about this in a moment. But there is, I think, something really specific in particular that I'm hoping to hear from Georgia going into this game. We addressed this a little bit in the postgame show on Friday, which is, I think it's time to sort of acknowledge that there is something about this opponent. This is not just another game against another team, one team standing in the way of you trying to win the national championship. There's a little something extra to all of this. It is Alabama. It is that team that is the final final barrier for Georgia to cross over, the final mission for Kirby to <laughs> – I'm kind of a Star Wars, you know, guy. It's sort of like this is his chance to to beat Vader finally and, and become a full fledged Jedi or whatever you want to say about it. You know, this is this is this is more than just a game against an opponent. This is more than just a national championship. There's there's something extra to all of this. And as Georgia starts to speak more about this today, I'm I'm, I'm hoping they acknowledge all that. I'm hoping Smart acknowledges that. I hope the Georgia players acknowledge that. That yeah, there really is unfinished business. And Georgia had a pretty muted celebration in its win against Michigan there on Friday. And as it saves itself for the real celebration, the one that could come next Monday, I kind of hope Georgia acknowledges just how significant it would be to finally get over that hump 
of Alabama on the way to being able to do just that. It's Around the Doghouse, and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And, of course, I travel a lot. Was uh, down in Miami this past week, heading up to Indianapolis here this week. When I'm traveling, I like having AAA with me. First of all, you get discounts on hotel rooms, things like that, which is always kind of a cool thing. But also, just, you know, if something breaks down while I'm on the road, AAA is there to cover me on all that, too. But AAA does more than just roadside assistance. We want you to also think about AAA when it comes to auto insurance there as well, because so many of you found out that when you switch and save with AAA, you can really put a lot of extra money in your pocket. And this time of year, uh, this time of kind of in our, you know, the life of our country, anytime you have a chance to put extra money in your pocket, it's a big, big uh, benefit. So that's what AAA gives you a chance to do. So check out this website. It's AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. You can find out all the options that are available. You can find out how much money you truly might be able to save with all of that. And you can uh, really set yourself up to have a much better auto insurance experience. Also, if you don't want to check out the website, AAA.com slash auto insurance, another easy way to get in touch is by giving them a call. 866-380-1637. That's 866-380-1637. You can speak to someone friendly and on the phone, and they can walk you through all your options there as well. Either way, AAA, a name to know when it comes to auto insurance, and I hope you'll check it out today. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted by our friends at AAA. Before we're done, we'll celebrate a big night for Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. Boy, that was a lot of fun to be able to see. Uh, Bennett was just uh, very, very impressive, a part of a Georgia offensive performance all the way around that I thought was just really sensational. So we'll talk about that before we're done. There's also big news from the rest of college football. Kirk Herbstreit kind of said some things about the bowl situation. That was you know, taken as pretty controversial. We'll spend a couple of minutes talking about that. We'll look at the Alabama win against Cincinnati, what we learned about the Crimson Tide there and that, what the takeaway is as you think ahead to, to Georgia and Alabama coming up next Monday. So a lot to still cover before we're done. But for now, on everything related to an Orange Bowl win – against the Michigan Wolverines. That's just kind of fun to say out loud. National semifinal ticket punched to the national championship game. Let's talk about all of it right now with John Stinchcomb as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Great to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. Boy, it's great to have a guy like John Stinchcomb on a show like this today because John knows so much about the action on the field, but also because, you know, he feels it in his heart, too. This is a Georgia alumnus. This is a guy that uh, bleeds red and black. And, you know, John, you and I have been doing these Chase for the Championship shows a lot over the last few weeks. And, unfortunately, the nature of those conversations was a lot of, uh, how do you bounce back after a loss? And, you know, there's only so much of that you can talk about before it finally takes a little bit of a psychological toll on you, just to be completely honest with you. And so to see Georgia actually bounce back from a loss, to see Georgia actually go out and get a win, I mean, my gosh, John, you and I are you know, of, of similar age. I mean, how big of a deal was that Michigan helmet when we were growing up, that Michigan brand as a college football power when you and I were, were, were growing up? Uh, you know, to see Georgia go out there and get a dominant win like that against Michigan, how much fun was that to just observe and, and, and take in and to kind of change the nature of the conversation over the next few days compared to what it had been over the last few weeks. It was truly a thing of beauty. I mean, to watch and understand the storyline heading into this game of, you know, it's going to be a physical physicality-based throwback heavyweight punch, and to see Georgia come out there and thump them like that, oh, man, 
it made uh, the hearts of every big body across the country that doesn't root for Michigan just be overwhelmed with joy. I mean, the, the number of plays that you just you could highlight, and we'll watch these for years to come because uh, it was so special. And, uh, you know, I, I just think of, you know, like, Trevon Walker crumbling the center on the, on the pull or, you know, Jalen Carter just blasting through that D-line or Nicobe Dean flashing across the field uh, because of the preparation that went in and, and how on point they were throughout that game. I mean, it was really, uh, it was, it was a, a thing of beauty. And I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm sure most of the jo- dogs across this country uh, were thrilled with it. And I appreciate even more the perspective of this team and, and the staff that, that's just one step closer to their ultimate goal, uh, but it certainly wasn't the end-all, be-all. So, great weekend. It was a nice present to receive after uh, a week after Christmas, so I'm grateful for it. There's so many different you know names to mention you know, when it comes to a win like this, but the name I find myself gravitating towards at the beginning of a conversation like this is Todd Munkin, the Georgia offensive coordinator. Mm. I, I just think that that what he provides Georgia is just so valuable. The the way in which Georgia gets off to the offensive star, and yeah, there's the trick play, there's the you know the Kenny McIntosh touchdown throw, and I thought James Cook had some funny things to say about that after the game. <laughs> that was a great quote, yeah, great quotes from him on that. But just the overall nature of the way that Georgia just you know marching down the field with these chunk plays, and you know if you're Michigan privately, they had to know that they had some athletic mismatches that they were going to have to try to find a way to overcome. And I'm sure they had a plan they thought was going to give them a chance to do that. But when you see Georgia assert itself on the offensive side of the ball, knowing the challenge you've got ahead of you trying to manage this Georgia defense, when you see Georgia getting off to the offensive start that it did, that's demoralizing, I believe, if you're the Wolverines. And Todd Munkin, I believe, gets a lot of the credit for why that occurs. I just don't think you can say enough about the, the game plan, the way it was executed. I, th- I thought Munkin really put his stamp on this game on Friday. I could not agree more. I, I'm in a text thread with some other Georgia players, and we were just raving about the, the game plan that Georgia came into uh, the, the, their matchup against Michigan with. I, you think about it, I think, you know, very rarely do I say this, but I feel like this game was won on first now in that we yeah. played in front of the sticks every series. Um, Michigan's two defensive edge rushers, Hutchison and, and Ojabo, they are great players. Did you – I mean, they were practically non-factors. That's right. That's, that is really, really hard to do, and I think uh, a, a great deal of credit obviously needs to go to, to our offensive line and tight ends for the, their neutralization of those two great players, but also the game plan. I think we came in – understanding the strengths of Michigan and minimizing the impacts that they could have and uh, on, on what Georgia wanted to do. I felt like Georgia was able to dictate uh, the, the action throughout the game, that they were playing on their terms. They wanted to be able to attack in ways that, that would put Michigan on their, on their back foot, and it was exceptionally well executed. I also think that all the talk um, – that you and I have shared because of the, the rumblings across dog nation of a certain quarterback. Um, <laughs> he, he played exceptionally well. I mean, Stetson Bennett, there was, I, I can think of two very clear plays where Hutchinson busts through and, and then their three technique 
is virtually unblocked and they become positive plays. And those are the exceptions. I, I think what really typified Stetson's performance was his ability to, to play from the pocket. So you complement those two things and you understand why Coach Munkin, the, the week leading up to the game, was saying, you know, he's he's a national championship capable winning quarterback. Um, and he certainly played that way on Saturday. But really, I think uh, offensively the storyline is, is Coach Munkin and that entire staff putting Georgia in positions to make the plays that they did um, and, and, you know, uh, well-deserving this throughout this year of if any acclaim and credit for our success because of the, the matchups that he creates. And here's the other thing, too, and you kind of touched on this a moment ago. It's subtle, but some of the stuff you heard after the game certainly led you to believe that Georgia definitely noticed the way that Michigan was being talked up going into the game. And listen, I, I agree with you. Hutchinson is a good player. Jabo is a good player. Michigan was a good team. They deserved to get some hype and praise and attention coming into a game like this. But it's pretty clear that Georgia never stopped believing in itself, even after it lost to Alabama. And Georgia spent a lot of the time last week leading into that game, at least that's the assumption I have based on the things that were said after the game. Georgia spent a lot of the time last week kind of chomping at the bit to remind maybe media, maybe fans, that we are still every bit as good as as y'all thought we were before the game against Alabama. We're still that team. And you now think that Michigan is, is going to you know, do all these things against us. The, the offensive line wearing the T-shirt about running the football, you know, basically you know, kind of sort of telegraphing what they were going to try to do against Georgia there that day. I mean, Georgia was just having none of that. And, and pretty clearly there was a little bit of that, of that you know, emotional edge that Georgia seemed to have because of all the praise that, that Michigan was getting last week. Do you agree with that? Yes, and it sounds eerily similar to a, a storyline that led into the SEC yep. championship of uh, a physical game and uh, do you expect Georgia's defensive line? And I did. I'll be the first to admit I expected Georgia's defensive line to dominate Alabama's offensive line. I think that was the, the game plan heading into the SEC championship. And when it didn't play out that way, I think you start trying to play different cards that you weren't expecting to have to pull from from the deck, if you will. And uh, it, it, it unfolded in a very similar way in this Michigan game where Georgia felt disrespected. And it's like, all right, now I've got an opportunity to go prove um, what what physical football really looks like. And, and uh, let's stay with the defensive line first. It was It was dominant. You're talking about Michigan's offensive line was awarded the, the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in college football. And I, I don't know if dismantled is too strong of a word, but they certainly were outmatched. And, and it was not one single player. I mean, Jordan Davis obviously had his moments. Jalen Carter, Trevon Walker, Devontae Wyatt. You go down the list, and each one of those guys, and primarily interior defensive linemen, were tone setters. I mean, it was, it was. Uh, I'm telling you. I mean, it was a an abusive situation at times where the best offensive line in college football didn't have answers. They didn't have answers for what Georgia was throwing at them. Which I think, uh, you know, as you turn the page uh, to this matchup against Alabama, you think 
what happened in that first game. I know the defensive line is certainly looking at that. And what can change? Where can it change heading into the national championship? Because something obviously will need to. The the performance that, that Georgia's defensive line had against Michigan, I think is what we expected um, to play out against Alabama. Uh, now, Michigan ran the ball for first, and, and Alabama, I think, was playing more for uh, let's, let's create opportunities for Bryce Young and, and, and Jamison on the outside, pair up those two guys. Now, you, you eliminate Mechie, and, and it's a, a little bit of a different matchup situation for this defense. But stay, sticking on subject, I'm just so fired up being sure, man. I love it. It was such a good win. Uh, it was such a good win, and, and this national championship has, I think, got all dog fans pretty excited. And I'm, uh, I'm certainly one of them. But oh. um, let, let me get one, one more thing in about the, the, the physicality of this group. Um, and, and it's going to go to the other side of the ball. I think Jamari Salyer obviously put his stamp on, um, on the game in that all the one-on-one matchups that he had, and he was not alone. I think you also need to give credit to McClendon on the other side um, of, of neutralizing their pass rush and creating the lanes in the run game. Uh, the two tackles had, had exceptional jobs, and they knew that there was an onus and a, and a high, highlight and a spotlight on their matchups and, and would very much influence the outcome of the game, and they did more than just answer the call uh, they, they put their stamp on it. I want to finish with a question about Alabama in a moment. Before that, though, let me just kind of get some other names out there to, to make sure that we give full credit here. Darian Kendrick has two interceptions. N'Kobe Dean was flying all over the place. Really, the Georgia linebackers in particular were all playing really well. You mentioned Trayvon Walker a moment ago. John, there were so many defensive playmakers that were just putting, you know, their – making their impact in this game in, in so many ways. You know, Dean and Kendrick kind of come to mind maybe more than, than anybody else, but but Walker was a big part of this. Others there as well. It was just waves and waves of Georgia players. I mean, we knew the one big difference between Georgia and Michigan coming into the game was the measurable talent on the Georgia roster in comparison to what, you know, maybe Michigan did not quite have, the five-star type, you know, guys, the – the you know this the former elite recruit type guys we knew Michigan didn't have as many of those and to the naked eye on the game on Friday it certainly appeared as if that were also the case. Oh, hands down, and and it's really the 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 depth and um, breadth of talent that Georgia possesses that makes them unique and special, and it's the storyline that we've spoken to, and and only because of one anomaly do we question as to whether or not um, you know this defense was truly elite uh, you just have to look back at that SEC championship game and go why why is that the outlier and you know it, it, it does come against Alabama but uh, what made this the performance against Michigan so special is that it came from literally almost every position on that defense I mean, you're, you're talking about um, highlighted plays, stuff that we're going to watch for years to come. You know, you watch those Georgia videos, either pregame, and you see these plays. Those marquee plays, how many of them were there in this game against Michigan? I mean, I can think of probably three that you'd want to include on your all-decade highlight reel of, of just crushing 
physical plays that, that you would want to build momentum and an, an entire uh, mindset uh, and approach around. And they're, they're all from different players. And I think that's what has separated Georgia and, and quite honestly, Alabama from the rest of the, the league is the amount of talent not pooled in one particular spot. It's across the board. Um, we're talking about D-line, linebacker, secondary, all three levels of a defense that played exceptional ball. And that comes from individual talents, but also a mindset and a culture that's been created at Georgia that has has built to this very point where um, you can talk about all these guys being exceptional, and exceptional has become the norm. It's our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Stinchcomb. Of course, a lot of you enjoyed some Classic City Lager over the New Year's weekend, and you plan on enjoying some as you head towards the National Championship game coming up next Monday. I think it's a great choice. Obviously, it's just good cold beer. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. That's what Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company is all about. It's a lager-style beer. It means it's lighter in color, but that doesn't mean there's any less flavor, though. This is a craft-style lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. Great care taken to make sure it tastes great. Tastes like you think a craft-style lager should taste. That's exactly what Classic City Lager is from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. Also, wherever you're doing your shopping, picking up your groceries, you can pick up some Classic City Lager as well. It's available in 6- and 12-pack cans all year long. So try some if you haven't or enjoy some if you're already a fan. It's Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's just good cold beer. So John, with this, we'll kind of officially turn our attention to Alabama and you and I'll have a chance to do more of this later on this week, but let me get uh, a thought from you right now. You know, how is this time? How can this time for Georgia be different than last time when it comes to the to the privilege and the opportunity of a rematch against the Crimson Tide? Well, I think it has to start with the Georgia's defensive line. I mean, that is the matchup that um, we were expecting to have the biggest difference uh, and impact on the game in the SEC championship, and it was muted. Uh, Alabama had an answer for the the initial package and, and every change that Georgia was throwing at it, at least in, for the first three quarters of the game. So um, th- that's the matchup that I think will define the national championship. Can Georgia's defensive line, who for – the better part of this year, with the exception of one game, has dominated and and been the far superior uh, force when it's offensive line versus defensive line. Can they have that same impact in this game and get to Bryce Young? I mean, the the, the statistics that really jump out is the inability of, of this Georgia front to get to the quarterback in that SEC championship. Zero sacks for allowing him to run free at times, that's uh, that's mystifying when you look at the rest of the season and body of work that this Georgia defensive front has put together. So will they be able to to um, win that matchup and, and make Bryce uncomfortable and um, actually get home like they couldn't do in the SEC championship? I think that's where this game will be boiled down to. John, great stuff. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, can't wait to talk to you more about this game throughout the week. Can't wait to enjoy a national championship game in Indianapolis on Monday. There's, these are certainly fun times to be a dog fan. We appreciate you being here, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to to speak to you very soon. Always great to be a, a dog, but especially when you, you put a whipping on somebody like they did uh, 
against Michigan this weekend. So Boy, I, dogs. I agree with all that, John. Thanks for your time. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So great, great stuff from uh, from from John Stinchcomb right there. Terrific to to be with him as a part of a classic City Lager Insider update. We'll have a chance to be with John for uh, for Chase of the Championship coming up a little bit later on. So that is going to be great. We'll look forward to getting to all of that. A lot of Georgia-Alabama talk. It really kind of begins today. Press conferences from Kirby Smart, press conferences from Nick Saban, uh, players. I think we'll hear from Stetson Bennett, Darian Kendrick today. On the Alabama side, we'll hear from, I believe, Brian Robinson. Uh, so so we'll, we'll start to hear from some of the key figures involved in this national championship game today. I'll be in Indianapolis later on this week. And it's just going to be an amazing lead-up to next Monday in Indy for the national championship against the Alabama Crimson Tides. By the way, speaking of Alabama, we'll get into their game against Cincinnati and everything else. Let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And you've heard us talk about Royal Caribbean before, and you know it's time to get back on the seas. It's kind of funny. So this past week we were in uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale, and the, the, the hotel we were staying in, that was the media headquarters hotel, was in Fort Lauderdale, kind of a few miles from the stadium. It was right next to Port Everglades. And so you had all those folks in town in Fort Lauderdale getting ready to get on those Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Uh, then we went to the Port of Miami, which is this beautiful place. And you see the big Royal Caribbean, uh, what do you call it? Like the the you know the, the place where you get on the embarkation point, I guess. I'm not really sure what the, what the name of it is. I guess the, 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 the port for Royal Caribbean that you get on the cruise ships there. And it just gets you so excited about being on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And for so many of you, you're looking forward to doing that yourself. So... Do me a favor. Check out our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. If you go to dognation.com, uh, you can see a link there to find out more about this. Or you can just check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority uh, and find out about all the great options available when you enjoy a wonderful Royal Caribbean cruise right now, whether it be Perfect Day Coco Cay, whether it be the, uh, the, the the wonderful ships that are that are back on the seas again, which we're so excited about. All of that from our friends at Royal Caribbean. You can check that out right now. Uh, check out a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I know for a lot of you who were down there this week, you kind of saw, you know, that South Florida area is kind of one of the real hotbeds for cruising. So you see a lot of those Royal Caribbean ships. It's just a, a really fun thing to be able to see. So we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean right now. And we'll kind of get into, uh, first of all, let me, let me start with this. So Alabama win against Cincinnati. Very interesting in the fact that it's almost completely different than the game Alabama had played against Georgia in the SEC championship. And you'll presume it's also very different than the game that Alabama is likely to play against Georgia next Monday there as well. That Alabama was just quite content against Cincinnati, believing it had an edge when it comes to running the football. That's exactly what it did. Brian Robinson goes over 200 yards on the ground. And this is just the kind of thing where Alabama was content to do that. It was not as big a, a day for Bryce Young. Some of that you give credit to the Cincinnati defense for, but in other aspects, you, you kind of point out the fact that Alabama saw the ability to run the ball, went out and did just that. Kind of reminds you that, you know, <laughs> that listen, when you can run, most teams still want to. Even a team like Alabama, that's what they did against uh, Cincinnati. But they, they, they clearly get it's, – some of it's kind of pulling away late, but they still kind of get that convincing, easy win against Cincinnati to set up for the uh, game there against Georgia. So for Alabama here, they're riding just as high as Georgia is right now. Georgia obviously dominates Michigan. Alabama domin dominates Cincinnati. The assumption you're going to make here, though, is, is that a guy like Brian Robinson, who's now healthier for this game – 
than he was when when Georgia Alabama played the first time. I mean, no one's going to think that Georgia's going to give up those big rushing yards in, in the same kind of totals the way that Cincinnati did. That's just a very different kind of thing. That for Georgia, it does kind of come down to what do you do to limit Bryce Young through the air? I was looking at our Facebook comments a moment ago while John Stinchcomb was talking. I saw Chris Branham's comment about how you can't put the front seven in handcuffs. It means for Georgia here. He says if all you do is rush four all night long, you're going to allow Bryce Young to pick you apart, and that's not what you want to do. And I think that Chris is right about that. Most of you have kind of echoed a similar sentiment. That one of the best things about the Georgia win against Michigan was it was a return to form for this Georgia pass rush. They were they were getting after you know McNamara all night long. They were getting after the Michigan quarterbacks all night long. They're making things very tough on them, and it just crippled any chance that Michigan had to get anything going offensively. And they're one way or another. Kirby Smart's acknowledges, everybody's acknowledges. One way or another, that's got to be what the game looks like against Alabama next Monday for Georgia to have any chance to win right there. Let me briefly go away from Georgia and Alabama for a moment to address a couple of other things. I'm going to just do this kind of quick. It was amazing how controversial some statements by Kirk Herbstreet on New Year's Day were on the ESPN College Game Day leading into the traditional bowl day that is New Year's. A lot of opt-outs in bowl games this year, and Herb Street said something to the effect of that he's concerned that this generation of college football players just don't love the game anymore. And this is one of those things where I think it demonstrates the huge divide that exists between how things are discussed on social media compared to how things are discussed away from social media. Forget for a moment whether Herb Street's right or wrong what he said. It's an opinion by definition. It's hard to be right or wrong with an opinion. But it's amazing how unanimous Twitter seemed to be that Herb Street was like the worst guy in the world for what he said. I mean, this is the kind of statement that Twitter just seems to hate. And obviously when social media reacts so strongly to something, it ends up impacting the, the, the way in which stories like this get covered, that a lot of media take their talking points from social media. And therefore the, even though 5% of the world's on Twitter ends up kind of generating about 95% of the of the tone of coverage moving forward. In other words, Herb Street, you know, has been sort of treated in the aftermath of these comments like he's on the verge of getting canceled, and I say that, you know, half kiddingly, but he's been treated like he's on the verge of uh, of having to apologize for something that for the people that don't live on Twitter, for the people that don't kind of, you know, ingest social media intravenously, they don't really view what Herb Street said as controversial at all. It doesn't mean that he's right, but I think there is a concern about about how many opt-outs there are for these bowl games right now away from the college football playoff and exactly what that does mean for the sport. And you know, it's not just as simple as whatever the players want to do is right and whatever, you know, old guard media wants to do is wrong. It's not it's not quite as simple as that that there is something to be said for hey what is your commitment what is your obligation to your team doesn't mean that all opt-outs in all situations are wrong but this notion that we shouldn't at least consider you know what's going on with these opt-outs and 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 what does this mean for the sport and what what responsibility do the players have the idea that we shouldn't even consider that shouldn't even ask that as a question I don't really know that anybody necessarily you know, as I said before, other than like the most Twitter addicted, Twitter obsessed people in the world, I don't know that people necessarily, uh, you know, quite fixate on this as some sort of huge negative. The response to Herb Street, the way that the social media obsessed kind of seemed to, 
But that was one of the stories that was out there. And, of course, ironically, on the heels of Herb Street saying what he says, Matt Corral does go out in the Sugar Bowl and injures, I guess it's been reported as an ankle injury here. It's also been reported, I saw Chris Mortensen saying that he doesn't, what he's hearing from NFL people, that's not going to have any kind of impact on his draft status. And people, you know, see the Corral injury and they say, see, Kirk, this proves it. You shouldn't play in bowl games because you get hurt. But football is also a sport where you can get hurt at any point in time. And, I mean, if you're worried about getting hurt in a bowl game because it's so-called meaningless, why is it any less meaningless than any other game that gets played there as well? That that eventually you sort, sort of arrive at the a fact of um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you kind of approach football at kind of a three-quarter speed, if you kind of approach football of, well, this is a game I want to play hard in, this is not a game I want to play hard in, eventually that becomes the kind of sort of psychological vantage point that it becomes hard to shake off it becomes hard to turn it all back on when you're ready to play hard again that when you're trying to decide before a game is this a game I want to play hard in or is this a game I don't want to play hard in it just kind of becomes a little bit of a tough thing to do there at that point but obviously the corral injury kind of goes along in some people's mind with the Herb Street comments in terms of what do you do about these opt-outs what do you do about the very legitimate concern that some players have for what happens if they get injured in one of these bowl games and there may not quite be so so many easy answers to any any of this on any side. I acknowledge that, but I also feel like it's fair to acknowledge that I don't know that Herb Street's words were quite as controversial as Twitter treated them as. But nonetheless, we'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I want to turn our attention back now fully to the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of George. And I specifically want to turn our attention to uh, George quarterback Stetson Bennett here for a moment, because obviously, you know, Bennett did have a big game on Friday, and it comes on the heels of Bennett getting a lot of criticism after the game against Alabama. And listen, like, it's not my intention here to kind of stir up the quarterback debate again, because I'm just sort of bored with with all of it. I, I think my point here is this, is that when it comes to Stetson Bennett, how he played against Alabama, how he's played for the two years that he's been the starting quarterback for Georgia at the time when he has been that starting quarterback, I think there's a category of criticism of Bennett that's clearly fair, and there's a category of criticism for Bennett that's clearly unfair. And I think a reasonable person can fairly easily look at criticism of Bennett and determine, is this the fair level of criticism? Is this the unfair level level of criticism? I don't think it's that hard to distinguish and differentiate which is which when it comes to this and so yeah admittedly I am happy for Stetson that he did play so well on the heels of some of the criticism that Bennett has taken that I would put in kind of the unfair category not all of it uh some of that is quite fair and some of that just kind of comes with the territory when you're a starting quarterback in the SEC but not all of it has been fair so in light of that Bennett playing well as a as a retort to some unfair criticism he's received yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy for him about that, and I'm happy anytime a Georgia quarterback plays well in a big game like this. But for Bennett in particular, I have to admit I was you know pretty happy for him uh, after the way that he played against Michigan there too. And after the game, Georgia coach Kirby Smart also talked about what he enjoyed about Bennett's performance, especially in light of the things that have been said around him over the course of the last couple of weeks. This is Kirby after the game. I don't know. I, I don't get into much about statements. Uh... I really focus on performance and do things based on uh, performance. And I thought he performed at a really high level uh, today. He's been really focused the last couple of weeks. I think it's amazing to have a guy his age block out all the noise and just focus harder. It's almost like every time 
he hears noise, he just focuses harder on the game plan and what he has to do to execute. And you look at some plays he made out there with his feet. Um, they couldn't account for his his mobility and some of the plays he made with his feet. And just really proud of the way he prepped uh, for this game. So that is what Smart said about Stetson Bennett's performance. And this is what Stetson said about his own performance. This is the George quarterback. Yeah, like Coach Smart said, this game's all about how well you play. There's really nothing. I didn't go out there and play you know, well today to in spite of people. I came out there and played well and worked hard throughout the few weeks we had off um, because my teammates needed me to do that and we needed that to win. So as far as a statement, that's my goal every, every week is to play that well. So let me just say this this way. I don't think the way that Bennett played on Friday ends the quarterback debate. I don't think it decides it in Stetson's favor in comparison to those who maybe would have you know, preferred JT Daniels. That's not what I think this was. This wasn't the decisive moment in the quarterback debate. What this was for me was a reminder that the entire discussion has been irrelevant the entire time. And, and, and that's what it really comes down to is that Georgia fans, I believe, have erroneously – fixated on Bennett versus Daniels and who should be playing when the actual story of why Georgia lost Alabama the previous time was obviously far larger than just an issue related to quarterback. In fact, the crucial reasons that Georgia lost that game were, you know, were not the quarterback position. It was, it was a part of the story, but it was not the number one reason that Georgia lost that game. And in light of everything that went down against Michigan on Friday, once again, the quarterback play was a part of the reason why Georgia won the game, but not the not the only reason why Georgia won that game against the Wolverines. There were also all kinds of other things that obviously contribute to the UGA victory. That for Georgia, quarterback has always been part of the story, but not the only story to be told in good times and bad with this team. So the Bennett performance, as good as it was, and it was sensational, doesn't end the quarterback debate. It simply makes that quarterback debate irrelevant. This is the team, the one that was on the field there on Friday, getting it done against Michigan. Now, what, 13? and one is that right yeah 13 and one on the season with a chance to beat Alabama in the national championship and I think that's the spot that's the that's that's the thing that Georgia fans ought to have their eye on moving towards Indianapolis next Monday night before we wrap things up let me also remind you but our friends at Space Dogs, you've heard me talk about the crypto space here a little bit. And obviously, that's not an area which I'm necessarily an expert on. <laughs> I'm sure you're not surprised to necessarily hear that I'm a little bit of an old school guy when it when it comes to stuff like this. But I have gotten more uh, acquainted with this lately. And one of the things that's helped me do that is checking out a website that I want you to be aware of there as well. It's the website for our friends at Space Dogs. It's dogs.io. And what Space Dogs is is a cryptocurrency. They have a uh, dog's token. They have a uh, dog's wallet. They have a space card. And... When you investigate these products available from Space Dogs at dogs.io, what you're going to get a chance to do is acquaint yourself more with the crypto space and find out how you can be a part of it through Space Dogs and find out how the transaction that you're making online, the things that you're buying, can just be made more safe, more secure, easier, more convenient. Uh, take the mystery out of crypto with our friends at Space Dogs. The website, once again, dogs.io. Find out about their products, the dog's token, the dog's wallet, the space card. Find out how they can help you get involved in the crypto space and enjoy all the benefits that come from all of that. So as we wrap up here today and start what will be a big week for us, I want to do a couple of golden shoes to uh, do so. Show you the first one on the screen here for a moment. Obviously, some folks having some fun at the expense of Jim Harbaugh, the uh, TV commercial. Uh, uh, Kyle Miller says, it's not my photo, but it's too good to share. Uh, the mom saying, 31 points ahead of us, Jimmy, and... 
Harbaugh says, you're not helping, Mom. Very, very funny edit there from uh, shared by Kyle Miller. A lot of Georgia fans having some fun at the expense of Jim Harbaugh, who's always fun to make fun of. Then Brian Paul sharing us the great line from the movie Major League. I guess there's only one thing left to do then. Go out and win the whole blanking thing. That's a great line from uh, the movie Major League when it was first spoken and potentially very relevant for Georgia there as well. So a couple of golden shoes to be given out for that. Cannot wait for next Monday. Looking forward to the entire week of getting ready for it. Georgia and Alabama in the national championship game. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Also remind you, Gator Hater Countdown, 299 days from now. Dogs back in Florida, this time in Jacksonville, giving the lousy, stinking Gators another L. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.